big question is this, how do we use the eight frameworks inside the new science of physical health to overcome this statement? Personal responsibility for your physical health is a myth and it doesn't work. These eight frameworks do. They will make you more physically healthy than 98% of people in the community that you live in. Why don't we get started in today's episode right now? Hey everybody, welcome back here to the 101st episode of the Daily Drop from the New Science of Physical Health. Let's get straight on to today's episode. I am really excited about this. Um, I'm a member of a whole bunch of different uh, medical journal uh, websites and I get research across my desk, medical research, every single day. Well, here's one that literally came out today. Actually, no, when did it get published? Based on today's date, uh, it got published five days ago in the European Society of Cardiology. So as I record this, and this is actually the, what I'm going to do today is the first time I've gone through this process. I'm going to try this out and let's see how this goes. The title of today's research is, because it is the new science of physical health. I'll give you the title in just a second, by the way. Um, it is the new science of physical health. And you know, after listening to this show, oh, we're in 69 countries now. So it was 66, going up another three countries. Got to try and work out which countries that was, by the way. Uh, and I think we're up over 800 cities around the world. So thank you to all those listeners and thank you for, for wherever, what part of the world that you're in for joining me at the program today. So, um, about cardiovascular disease and cancer events, that's my laser like focus because if you've have listened to before, after all the years that I've put in with health education and physical education and the work that I've done with PhDs and interviews and research work, uh, working with them and helping to, you know, have discussions one-on-one with some world leaders in different areas, I have come to the conclusion that it works like this. Cardiovascular disease kills 18 million people a year, but there's 36 million approximately cardiovascular events. That means people who are suffering from some dysfunction of their cardiovascular system that's life-threatening. Then there is 8 million cancer deaths per year and about 16 million cancer events per year. And so both of those are by far and away in first place. What I have discovered as an educator is that If you get right the physiological and molecular health adaptations from using the correct dose of physical activity, it has a cascading effect outside of just your risk of cancer and your risk of cardiovascular disease into other areas of improvement in your health. That's why I focus on that. So that's the philosophy behind the new science of physical health. Let's stop focusing on a 100 different things. Oh, what's my weight? What's my cholesterol? What's, you know, what's my blood pressure? Um, uh, all the different, what's my body mass index? All these different things. No, let's just narrow it down. Because if you tackle the root cause of the problem, so many other things start to dissipate and, and become improved by tackling the, the root cause. So let's look at ex, this is the title of today's Research And what I'm going to do is a live scan of this document, which is about 14 pages long and quite small writing, by the way, called 
exercise effects on cardiovascular disease from basic aspects to clinical evidence. And one of my all-time heroes is a contributor to this research, Professor Stephen N. Blair. So what we're going to do is go through a live read, a live scan of this latest medical research. When I say latest, it's just been published, as I said, five days ago. So it is literally hot off the presses. So let's start the live read now. So the top of the paper, what I like to do is I mean, I get very interested in looking at not only who are the authors. So in this case, we've got um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight professors who've contributed to this, part also including the Department of Physiology and from the Faculty of um, Medicine at the University of Valencia. Um, you, that's in, in Spain. You've got the Department of Medicine, the uh, Division of Cardiovascular. So these are other areas of, contrib- of um, besides the professors, the areas of universities that have contributed to this paper. Gives you the credibility behind what we're talking about. That it's, they're not just to coin a phrase that we use in Australia, probably, I think, around the world. They're not just some schmucks. These people are the world leaders. So where else have the contributions come from for what I'm about to go through? Department of Medicine, Division of Cardiovascular Medicine, Stanford University School of Medicine in California. The John Oshner Heart and uh, Vascular Institute at the uh, Oshner Clinical School, the University of Queensland. In Australia, fantastic. Australia gets a mention in there. The Department of uh, Physiatry and Nursing, so Growth, Exercise, Nutrition and Development, uh, that is in New Orleans in the United States. The uh, Research Group of Faculty Health Sciences in, where is that one? That's in uh, Zaragoza, Spain. Department of Physiology for the Rebound Institute of Health Science at Oh, Radbound, sorry. I've got to read properly. Radbound University Medical Center in the Netherlands. Man, this piece of research is from across the planet. Uh, St. Luke's Mid-America Heart Institute at the University of Missouri in Kansas. I've interviewed a doctor from the University of Missouri in Kansas, Dr. Geetha Raguvia, who's a pediatrician in uh, pediatric cardiology. So that, wow, that's, uh, I didn't realize that it was part of the contribution here from that same university. Department of Exercise Sciences, University of South Carolina in South Carolina in the United States of America. Wow, this is phenomenal. Let me just go through the abstract first of all. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm going to do a live scan of this document to give you a feel for what, where I get the content, besides interviewing directly some of the people and that I have brought to you on this show, but um, some a feel for where do I get the science? It's called the new science of physical health. Well, this is it. So here's the abstract. This is one of the places I get it. This is one of the best papers I've ever had access to. Um, this is the abstract. Cardiovascular disease, CVD it's called, um, remains the leading cause of major morbidity. That means death. And all-cause mortality. So not just the, it's the leading contributor of death in the world. It is now clear that regular physical activity and exercise training, I don't know why they delineate those, they seem to be the same to me, well, planned and unplanned physical activity, induces a wide range of direct and indirect physiological adaptations. And here's a word I haven't seen before, pleiotropic benefits. 
I have to look that one up. I'll come back to you on that one. For human general and cardiovascular health, generally higher levels of physical activity and cardiorespiratory fitness score, I call it active heart fitness score. That's my term as an educator that I created, but it means that, are correlated. And if I have it, if you don't know what that means, by the way, it's the critical element, cardiorespiratory fitness score, which I talk about in some previous episodes in the show. Um, we're up to about 200 all up so far, 101 of the daily drop, but 200 episodes all up of the whole series. Um, but cardiorespiratory fitness score are correlated. So go back to the start of that. Generally, high levels of physical activity and a cardiorespiratory fitness score are correlated with a reduced risk of cardiovascular disease, including myocardial infarction. That's a great word, isn't it? Myocardial infarction. Myocardial means heart tissue, infarction means death. Heart attack, that's what it means. Cardiovascular disease-related death and all-cause mortality. Although exact details regarding the ideal doses of physical activity, including resistance and especially aerobic, as well potential adverse effects of extreme exercise, continues to be investigated, there is no question that most of the world's population, this is such a cool statement, haven't, it's not good, but it's cool, have a, most of the world's population have insufficient levels of physical activity and many have lower than ideal levels of cardiorespiratory fitness score or active heart fitness score. Therefore, assessment and promotion of physical activity and efforts to improve levels of CRF, cardiorespiratory fitness score, should be integrated into all health professional practices worldwide. In the state-of-the-art review, we discussed the exercise effects on, this is in this paper, on many areas related to cardiovascular disease from basic aspects to clinical practice. You know what? They're saying in this paper here, right here in the abstract, that um, there more research needs to be done on the ideal dose. I call it the correct dose. Well, here to tell you that what I have given you previously with Professor Ulrich Wisloff and his team of medical researchers up there in Norway and the world that they did on the world's largest heart study. So he's got 55 staff that work for him. They worked on the world's largest heart study called the Hunt Study and they have come up with a tool that we use that you can get access to by clicking in the show notes of the clinically validated health software that gives you the correct dose, the ideal dose of physical activity. And it's based around, completely based around, what this paper is saying, cardiorespiratory fitness score. So once again, proof that Professor Wisloff, not that he needed any proof, the guy is an absolute genius and one of my all-time heroes, as well as Professor Blair and others, in this field of linking the, the health adaptations that occur as a result of the correct dose of physical activity. So... Yeah, let's go through a little bit of this. Got an introduction here uh, in this paper because we're doing a live read, a live scan of it, okay? Um, the introduction is not stuff that I'll stop by. Um, here we go. Uh, what does this one say here? Uh, so this is the introduction. So get a little intro, then they got 1.1. Conceptual framework of ET. That means exercise training, physical activity. In brief, a load of exercise is essentially classified by its type, frequency, and intensity. Uh, exercise can be performed consistently, endurance, dynamically, cycling or running, 
or statically. It can also can be considered as exhaustive, aerobic or anaerobic or non-exhaustive, depending on the athlete's fitness. Uh, exercise intensity and physiological demands can provoke certain physiological stress levels and responses. Now, here's a really important part of this conceptual framework that they talk about. I'm an educator. I'm, look there, I'm looking at their medical paper. I like to pick it apart and dive into it a little bit. So that's what we're going to do here. So in conceptual framework there, they talk about that physical activity is classified by type, frequency, duration, and then they talk about an ath- depending on athlete's fitness. Now, exercise training for sports performance is not health. And I've talked about this topic before. Physical activity should be classified on your heart rate pattern. And where does it sit in, le- in the percentage maximum heart rate? Now, if you're a new listener to the program, go back and find one of my episodes where I talk about heart rate percentages. Physic- the health adaptations that occur it- inside the body The ideal dose, the correct dose, does not need to be athletic performance. It just needs to meet a certain level of demand to create a certain heart rate pattern that will drive up your cardiorespiratory fitness score, active heart fitness score, and therefore drive up health adaptations that are of benefit inside the human body. So whilst I appreciate what they're saying here, that I don't entirely agree with these researchers about or whoever put this paper together in terms of the final um, draft, where even though it's got all these geniuses in the world, the thing to look at in physical activity is not the type. The frequency is important, but really it's the health adaptations that occur from the intensity. So my thing should be classified by, and for the work that I've talked about with Professor Wisloff, is... Not the duration. The duration doesn't matter. The frequency doesn't matter. What matters is intensity and heart rate pattern that cause health adaptations. And our software, the clinically validated health software that Wisloff and his team put together that we have that we give to you, that is definitely telling you the health adaptation. So that's very interesting. So let's look at uh, 2.2 over here. I might even do a few episodes on this paper because it's so interesting. So here we go, 2.2. Cardiorespiratory fitness score and CVD, cardiovascular disease. Cardiorespiratory fitness score, that's the medical term, or active heart fitness score. And if you don't know how to um, uh, how to measure that and how to assess it and all that different stuff to find out what yours is or people that you influence and care about and you want them to know, then you really should go to my link where it says the ultimate workbook. Because in that ultimate workbook, I go deeply into this topic. So I'm just going to go through the bit of the research here. Uh, active heart fitness score is closely, and I go into how you measure it, is closely linked to exercise levels. Its relationship with cardiovascular disease warrants particular attention. Active heart fitness score, I'll keep using that term, is a very useful prognostic tool. And indeed, poor active heart fitness scores is one of the most important cardiovascular disease risk factors. This is not something most people know. High active heart fitness scores itself is a robust indicator of low morbidity and low risk of death. How about that? And good metabolic health. The thing is, how do you measure it 
and how do you drive yours up? I've put all of that content inside this workbook. Phenomenal stuff. So the researchers, uh, Sanchez et al., have recently demonstrated that changes in estimated active heart fitness score may predict the incidence of biological cardiovascular disease risk factors, particularly in patients with some letters here, <laughs> type 2 diabetes and HTN. What's HTN? After all, oh, hypertension. That's what that means. Um, physical activity, practice regularly, correct dose, which we give you through our software, practice regularly is the most effective way to improve active heart fitness score by increasing the mitochondrial content. Mitochondria is um, uh, uh, is a part of a cell. Every single cell in the human body has a mitochondria. So by it does it by increasing mitochondrial content, desaturation of myoglobin, I'll come to this, in skeletal muscle tissues, which ultimately improves skeletal muscle oxidative capacity. That simply means you have a better oxygen-carrying transport system. To, so you breathe in oxygen, gets to your lungs, your, your blood vessels, um, your arteries extract oxygen um, through the alveoli sacs, in the alveoli sacs in the lungs. You've got 500 million of those. That sounds hard, isn't it? 500 million. Not hard, but it sounds ridiculous. Hard to believe. 500 million alveoli sacs in your lungs. They take the oxygen out, attaches it, uh, goes to the heart, binds it with hemoglobin, carries it to the muscles, dumps it off of the muscles. And what happens is that the higher your active heart fitness score, the better that your transport system is. An increase in active heart fitness score of only one metabolic equivalent, we call that one met, decrease the risk of cardiovascular disease by 15%. Cardio respiratory fitness score, active heart fitness score, declines with age. Physical inactivity and being sedentary, well, they've got the word sedentarism, while sitting time is associated with higher cardiovascular mortality. However, reaching high, reaching moderate to high active heart fitness score levels is associated with a reduced risk of cardiovascular events. What a stunning piece of research this is. In basically, that's one, two paragraphs right there. Okay. And it's talking about this direct correl linear correlation between a person's active heart fitness score and their risk of the number one cause of sickness and death. I find this phenomenal. So here's what I'm saying about this research as I do this live read here. Um, that uh, you can't do a dead read, can you? <laughs> it's not a scripted read. That's what I'm saying. It's off the, I'm scanning through this doc. I haven't got, what page am I on, by the way? I'm on page two. This is just genius. I can't wait to get some beautiful headings in here that sound like you're speaking Russian, but they're really, I can't wait to get involved. What's the one below it? Modulation of autonomic function, electrophysiological effects. Oh, that's really good. That's to do with a topic called brachycardia. I like that one. Um, I'll come to that. I'll probably come back to tomorrow's episode. I'm going to finish up today's episode. The, the opening salvo in this research paper is saying what I have been saying for so long about your active heart fitness score. So here's what I want you to do. If you're a person listening to this show, um, then what I've done is I've put together a $7 version of our book, The Ultimate Workbook for Creating Physical Health, where I deep dive into this, deep dive into it. It's an interactive workbook. 
and there's a link in the show notes where you can click and go straight to straight to the up uh, to the website. And you can read all about the book, and I've got a couple of videos in there. And it will go into how do you measure your active heart fitness score? What does the number mean? And then how do you drive it upwards? And what's the correct dose of physical activity? Incredibly important things to understand if you're going to apply what I just went through at the start of this paper. So there we go. There's the first life, first part. I'm going to finish it off there on page two. I haven't even got to page three in this time period. The live read of the effects, exercise effects on cardiovascular disease from basic aspects to clinical evidence. I'm really excited about that kind of stuff. And I really love sharing the new science of physical health. And I think this is one of the best episodes I've ever done because this is what I'm reading here. This is the very definition of the new science of physical health. Okay, can't wait to share more with you, everybody. I'll be back tomorrow. We'll continue on with this further reading, live reading of this particular research. Bye for now. Have a great day wherever you're up to. Bye-bye.